0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today I'm joined by Ian Whitty of Ian Whitty and The Exchange. Hello, it's 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 lovely to be here. Um, you've got a new album coming out uh, soon enough. It's called Cash Crop. It's out on Friday, November the 11th. So I guess that this is like the, the promo interview that we're doing for it now, you this, this know? This is the
1: big one. This is the big promo interview. This is it, yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> So, yeah, the album—it's uh—it's really, really good, and it's been a while since people have heard like newy and witty music.
1: Yeah, it's been um, for a collection of songs. It's been eight years now. There was bits and pieces in the interim. There was sort of some compilations, and there was a single in two thousand and fourteen. But this is the first collection of songs since uh, the Lucky Caller number nine, which was two thousand and eight. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a while.
0: When you actually kind of thought about it when you were kind of putting together the the idea for the album the press release and everything like that when you actually were like oh it's been eight years since the first album were you kind of like jesus how how did that happen
1: yeah yeah that that's there's something kind of undeniable to that but it's funny there's a rhythm to these things and the record probably could have been made or a record i don't think this one but a record could have been probably made at any point over that eight years it's just um I don't know. Whatever the sort of circumstances that uh, allow for these things to happen weren't 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 in place. But I think when we did the single in two thousand and fourteen, it sort of kind of jolted us all into action, and 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 we uh, sort of kind of made a concerted effort then to to kind of finish the album from there. Um, so when when it's funny, it was when the, when the decision gets made, it kind of happens quick. It's just a matter of of making that decision. So when we did decide to make it, we recorded the actual album over I think 80% of it was probably recorded over 5 days in uh, my parents living room in Killarney um, over 2 sessions 1 of 3 days and 1 of 2 days and um, and the reason for that was that at at various points over that eight years, we had done a lot of um, pre-production, which is just fancy rehearsal. It's just, you know, making sure you record your rehearsal so you don't forget your idea. So we had done the fancy rehearsal in my parents' house at various points when they were away. And it's a very sort of a reflective room. It's, it's full of glass and wood. And uh, we always felt that we sounded well there. So when it came to making an album, we said rather than sort of trying to re- record in a neutral way and then make it sound like something, we would just go to the something and live or die by the something. So I think kind of that this record has a certain kind of a texture or atmosphere to it. And I think a lot of that is because of the space it was recorded in. Um, so most of it was done there. And then and then some of it was done up um, not too far from here, actually up in, in Glacine. We did uh, the guitars and stuff with, um, with Chris Summers in, in, in One Chance Out. But Chris engineered the whole thing, so... So there you go. So I, I've only partially answered your question. Yes, it was a shock when we sat down to record. Um, but you know, time just just moves on, and I guess a lot a lot happened in our lives. We 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 were, we've all become parents, and uh, there was uh, you know there were there were distractions, fairly, fairly <laughs> real life distractions in the meantime. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad we didn't because I don't think th- I don't think it would be this. It w- you know if we hadn't, and that's what I mean about the certain rhythm to recording is that you know. Um, things take on a certain energy or things sound a certain way then because you waited or because you kind of wanted the songs to sort of grow to a certain point before you felt they were to be recorded and then when they had done that growth or that sort of i don't know had that sort of um just very n- natural sort of a progression in in their own lives um it was the right way to record because there wasn't much head scratching needed to happen that we were kind of pretty sure Um there was enough room for it to be sort of some bit experimental at points when we were recording but we were we were pretty set in in the big picture of what we wanted so we were kind of more set in what we didn't want you know then than, uh, if that makes sense you know we, we knew what we wanted to avoid Um so that was that that's what kind of brought us to the studio in that kind of a headspace,
0: I think. Were your grandparents still around, uh, and did they mind you you recording in the living room?
1: My parents. It was my parents' house, oh, and sorry, um, your parents they, they are. Thank God, they're, they're still with us. But um, they they had gone. Um, on holidays and i had put in a kind of a sheepish phone call and i said would it be okay yeah. if we moved some things around and maybe did a little bit of recording but you know what happened then was was quite drastic we kind of pretty much tore their living r- room apart and, and set up a studio um. but we put it back together again uh And uh, they're none the wiser.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I watched um, Dazed and Confused uh, recently enough. And I don't know if you've seen it, but like they want to throw a party in just uh, one of the the kids' houses. And the parents are going away and, you know, he's getting kegs of beer delivered. And the parents are like, oh, we better not go on holiday now. (laughs) It wasn't like that, like you weren't getting kegs of beer delivered. Uh, No,
1: no, gee, uh, no, not at all. I mean, it it was kind of... um, I had never worked in that particular way, you know I had worked long hours in in, in the studio before, particularly on lucky caller number nine um because some of those sessions were kind of intense as well, but the, no, nothing compared to this and um, because the time was so finite um with the space we can, we kind of just did roll up our sleeves and we did you know the the uh, a drink would have been a, a luxury we we, 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 we couldn 't afford it so we, we we literally did kind of just work through it as best we could and uh on, on as little sleep as, as as could be managed but um you know which was new to me and i, I wouldn't I wouldn't actually sign myself up to be that kind of a, a a trooper but uh it it actually i quite enjoyed it um very intense but 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 very sort of rewarding too
0: did you feel like um it was kind of more a mature thing as well like in terms of like ten years ago, say you wouldn't have done that you wouldn't have focused so much on getting you know that week of work out? Whereas now you're very much like every every second of this is precious sort of thing.
1: Um, no, because to be fair, I, I think I think even on the last one I was very aware of that, and 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 the last one was was done in a sort of a, I guess in a in a studio proper as such. Not not that we didn't have you know the right stuff with us this time but it was done in that more of a more of a studio space also a house a house up in Wicklow uh, with Ken McHugh but it 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 was something that uh, time was also precious on you know it was just that the the need to do it in, in in as intense a way wasn't wasn't there because it wasn't a situation that somebody was coming back in three days and and you needed to be finished you know that kind of way so I think it was more than the necessity of the situation rather than the learning curve um but you do learn those things along the way. I mean, you, you and I think that's something you learn very early is you you kind of, you don't really want to be in there trying to sort of recreate the wheel too much. You you, you kind of need an idea of what it is you, you want to do before you get there. And then I, I always like to leave just about enough headroom for the creativity to happen, you know, when you get the nuts and bolts recorded that you can then go, okay, so, you know, how, what do we want to add to this to kind of, bring out an atmosphere or to sort of augment it or to to sort of uh, enhance uh, the song um whereas i don't know if you'd want to be i know people do it but i don't think it would would suit suit uh, me personally or or the band to be working stuff up in a ground up kind of a way you know i think i think it's best to to know what you're at before you get there
0: so like were you kind of continuously writing in between albums and stuff you knew, you had like ideas or kernels of ideas that you knew that you wanted to expand on but you didn't did you see the full picture sort of thing or did that only kind of come later on in the process
1: I guess that was that was that was evolving you know that was evolving over the over the sort of eight years and 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 I guess when you say things that you learn from previous um sort of outings, but definitely something I learned when I was making The Lucky Caller number 9 was was um, just to tend to the song and to try and be as responsive to the song as you possibly can. So there was times when we felt we would need to, you know, for the songs to be quite produced, you know, or to have quite a lot going on in them for, for, for that song to succeed. And there was other points whereby it clearly, that wasn't going to be necessary so you know there are some very stripped back moments on the record too and I I think that's just that sort of um, that attempt to be just responsible to what the song itself needs rather than sort of being kind of pushed around by by any other sort of kind of vision you may have or or thoughts you may have for a thing Um, and that is those arrangements did evolve over the time and some of those songs would have been through a few different arrangements but that again that intent of just you know not kind of stopping until you feel like the song is treated in the way that it it sort of feels comfortable um and so i think we're we're quite good at that we're quite good at at not settling and we're quite good at just pushing through arrangements and kind of tearing songs apart and putting them back together if need be and then i think we're quite good at taking our hands off them when when that's you know what's required
0: as well um it it is like ian witty and the exchange Mm. like is is the band fully involved in the um in the um, rec- recording and the songwriting and stuff. Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, what tends to happen is I'll come in with the nuts and bolts. So the you know the the the, the song, for want of a better phrase, for it, will be written. So that the chord structures and, and the lyrics will be written. But then after that, it's it's entirely collaborative. So um, like this is. This record is as much of uh, everybody else's record as is mine um, from, from that point of view. So, you know, all of those arrangements would have grown out of the rehearsal space and um, as, as regards recording as well. You know, um, everybody sort of would have been involved pretty much all the way through the process, actually. Yeah.
0: So, so, who's in the band? I know that it's uh, Anthony Noonan from um, Clonic Guilty, who mm-hmm. some people might know from Armored Bear and playing in various bands around Clonic Guilty. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and um then there's uh Flor Rahley the two the Rahley brothers Flor and Paddy Rahley um uh, Flower plays guitars with us and um Paddy's playing bass guitar but um they they would have been both members of Stanley Super 800 in terms mm. of the city's um music history yeah
0: great band Stanley Super 800. Uh, an
1: amazing band i th- i think, think one of my favorite cork bands yeah and uh, and, and i'm not just saying that because of <laughs>
0: our connection to Flor they always were yeah
1: i, I really uh there's just something uh something in there that a playfulness and uh a sort of sense of adventure and uh and lyric lyricism um stand just had it as 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 a way with words i i yeah i, I really Sorry, I, I digress now. But yeah, no, they, 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 they Sort of would have been one of my musical highlights of of my time living in Cork. Would would have been that band and going to see that band play live. And yeah,
0: it's well, di- digressing into like Cork bands is like one <laughs> of my favorite things. But just before, maybe before we do, um, is it is it nice kind of having these musicians who you've known for a long time, who you've played with for a long time? Like, is there just a complete ease with which you're um, at with one another in the like whether it be your your parents' living room or in the studio or on stage.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's you know that's how that evolution happens. You know because you're you're playing in a rehearsal room or on stage with with the same bunch um over years and and then that kind of the the, the next thing that's quite important that sort of the familial thing. creeps in which is good because when it comes to making records or arranging things an argument is is good you know and it's 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 an area where conflict is quite healthy because there's times when you need to have an argument around a song or a piece of work or whatever it is and you need to be able to have that with people who you can have an argument with and then you know everybody can be you know absolutely comfortable that everybody just cares about the song you know and that there's nothing else going on it's 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 a it's a creative argument so um that's where that kind of sense of comfort really comes to the fore because you can have that argument and everybody can be cool with it if you know what I mean <laughs> does that make any sense oh yeah so, kind of and I, I suspect a lot of bands are like that that you get to the point whereby people can just have a wrangle over something and then get the best out of it and be very comfortable that everybody has kind of pushed the song a bit further
0: like no one is kind of stewing that, like, oh, I can't believe they didn't t- use my idea.
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's in the personality of, of, of anybody in, in, um, in our band, I don't think. I think there's, no, just a commitment to, to the songs. I, I think we tend to know more about where we shouldn't be going <laughs> rather than where we should, if that makes sense. We, we tend to identify a wrong turn very quickly as as a band so it tends to be three people looking at one person saying what are you at <laughs> <laughs> so for the one person in that moment <laughs> it's a pretty clear message that 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 tends to be how it's happened Um so yeah whereas when we're on the right track it seems to be a bit, a bit more uh oblique to us but uh
0: but, but we get there <laughs> um there's 11 songs on cash crop it- were they all written specifically for this or are there any songs that you've had in your back pocket for years and years?
1: The, no, there's, there's a few there that have been in in, in the, the back pocket or the musical shoebox, whatever you want to call it. There's one song on there called um, Flower from the Field and uh, it's a very uh, stripped-backed uh, song. And uh, I think um, I have to sit down and do the sums on it properly, but it, I had that melody for maybe seven years. It's quite an intricate little melody and I never had words and I had tried and tried and tried. Um, And then uh, after about seven years of of trying to kind of shoehorn lyrics on top of the thing, they they came. And uh, I've been many years trying to actually just learn (laughs) how to play the thing. So that was something that came out of that that session. and, 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 And Chris, you know, was talking to me very late one night about what um what I was doing the following day or uh, and I was saying look there's this song and I think for this space it might be might be one that will work and I played it and he said look let's just do it now let's just not overthink it at all give me 10 minutes and I'll set up and to be fair to him he did and he, he kind of said look if it takes me any longer than 10 minutes you can go to bed um so he did and we did like two or three takes of it and and it has wound up in there um so that's one that I've had, and that's been evolving for ages and it's it's lovely because I'm actually having to play it now, <laughs> so I'm kind of forced into action on it and uh and uh i I don't know I'm really enjoying playing it it's uh it's 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 a song that's just a bit more um personal to me or something, and I think that's probably why I didn't sort of uh i don't know that's maybe why i did
0: i I always find it me. interesting that um singers and songwriters have these like songs that they've had for years and years, and they just feel like you know they just have the music or something, but they don't have the lyrics or they have the song, but they just don't feel like they can record it properly. Like I was reco- uh, I was talking with Luca Bloom earlier okay, in the year yeah. and he, uh, on his new album, Fuglisto, he's got a song on there that's like 39 years old or something. I can't actually think of the name of it, but like Christie Moore, his um, brother-in-law, brother, um, like performs it regularly and everything. So people kind of almost saw it as, as Christie's song whereas luca is now like you know maybe trying to reclaim it himself sort of thing but it's is it kind of like with with um that song that you're talking about was it just that you couldn't find the lyrics to go with it was it kind of writer's block or something like that Uh, or uh,
1: no because at the time um i would have been sort of consistently writing songs around it um i i i don't know and i and i can't i don't know if i can answer that question for you but I guess it just happens that there are... Because even after I did find the lyric, I still didn't want to play, play the thing. Um, and I I guess there's just some things that are a bit more personal or that kind of... Um, and, 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 and as a whole, this record is... Not that it's less personal, but I, I do find myself shifting perf- personas or taking on characters or, or trying to tell stories from other people's point of view quite a lot on, on, on this story but not, not so much that song and I, I, I don't know I guess um, <coughs> I don't know if I can answer it. I, I, can, I can speak to myself on this one I, I know it was kind of personal and, uh, and maybe that's why I held on to it um,
0: for as long as I did yeah and, and it's nice <laughs> performing it now
1: it is, it is, uh, and but I don't know, because uh, it's funny you should mention that about um, Luca, because um, John Spillane recently said about everything's turning to gold, Cathy, I don't know if you know that song, but it was a song that he played um, and then didn't play much after an initial phase because it was personal to him and he didn't want to sort of drag it across... Stages for years and years to the point whereby it wouldn't be special to him. Now, I, th- I think, I think I've represented him fairly enough there, and I think that that that's that's what he's he said about it. Um, so I don't know. That's 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 something that I guess performers have. You know, that that sometimes they just want to maybe not um ring the life out of something. You know,
0: I don't mm. know. Um, you mentioned that the record is quite personal and something that I enjoy talking with, with writers is just when you use I in a song or in a story or whatever, like, is it actually you that you're talking about? Because some of them, um, I I don't have my notes in front of me now, but, uh, like some of the songs where you're just singing about I, I'm like, I don't know if he's actually talking about himself.
1: I can most certainly say that I'm not talking
0: about myself
1: on a lot of the songs. No, it's, it was, um, and that was sort of something that I felt, Outside of the musically, that that, that lyrically for me, I, 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 I guess I've always sort of been wanted to be in the mode whereby every song is a story or has a narrative or has a sense of something happening in it. But I think on this record, definitely more than the previous ones, I definitely wanted to uh, stretch that a bit more. and And like I say, maybe sing from somebody else's perspective, but in the first person. So, for example, uh, there's a song, Cash Crop, you know, about a fellow who's selling suits in town and he's kind of clearly despondent for, for whatever reasons and he's sort of struggling with modernity and loneliness and, uh, and that's completely a, a character song, you know. Um, and there are other songs on it that are, you know, sort of exclusively character songs as well. That's not to say, though, that I'm not in them because, of course have to be in in some way because i've I've sort of shaped the voices or or whatever it is but um but that's that de- was definitely a very conscious effort on this one I, I i wanted to stretch my own sort of um writing on this one to to kind of move away from it being kind of exclusively subjective or um sort of move towards i don't know i guess maybe uh, not a pure form of storytelling but but more story based kind of stuff.
0: Was there any reason
1: for that? No, just 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 as a um just in terms of I guess maybe trying to grow as a songwriter or sort of to take on something that I I hadn't maybe tried as much before or maybe it's a natural progression, maybe that is a part of um maybe getting a bit older is that sort of that kind of initial burst of the kind of I found like a lot of my initial stuff is very stream of consciousness um, uh, and maybe more subjective and as time has gone on it has become more and more sort of uh, I guess story based and maybe that's just a natural progression in writing or maybe it's just a natural progression in age or maybe just my natural progression I don't know maybe it's, it's one of those things
0: is it, does it come from like? Are you reading a lot more? Or is it just kind of the type of um, art, uh, musician that you're listening to? The type of music you're listening to?
1: I don't. Know. I don't know. Could I pin it down to any of those things? Um, no, because I think I think I think my listening is a sort of. I've always tried to listen as diversely as I can, and I think that's probably intact. And I think I'm probably still reading. I read a lot of poetry, um, but no, I don't think. I don't think. I think it's just sort of something a bit more natural. I don't think it's anything that I, I've particularly forced, um, but I do know it was something that I did want to do. You know that 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 it was it was conscious on some level that I did want to to kind of stretch myself from a songwriter point of view.
0: And <clears throat> sorry, um, kind of the main quote in the, in the press release that uh, other people have kind of gotten onto to is. Uh, uh, you say making a record is a genuinely difficult thing to do. Simply put, it's easier to make a mess of it than to get it right. It does this. It sounds like you had a couple of attempts at the album. Was it before you kind of got it right?
1: Not not so much that. I I think it's 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 um like as a process uh, i've like because I mean obviously it can be done because we we all listen to great records all the time, but. From us, if you take a song and put it in a room from from that sort of lovely three dimensional thing, you know where there's there's it, it, you know there's musicians they're moving the song is sort of in the air as such. To take that and to to try and condense it onto sort of a CD or, or MP3 or, or or tape or vinyl or whatever it is, it has to go through a number of processes. And a lot of machines. Even the most organically recorded record needs to go through a lot of machines. And uh, any one of those things can actually, you know, uh, get you out uh, the other side with a less distilled version than you uh, than you began with. Do you know, so it can it can do the opposite. It can rather than enhance or focus a song, it can it can take away from it. Um, and I think that's something that maybe is hard to appreciate if you haven't been through the process, because when you're going through the process, you're like, okay, we can, it's so easy for us to make a mess here, or it's so easy for us to maybe settle for something that isn't th- how we think the song should be. And, and I guess that's why you get so many, um, musicians who, uh, who come out the other side and and who aren't happy with what they've done or, or who are sort of, um, and there was a moment there, I don't know if you know, Ferg in the uh, corner house, uh, he asked me, oh, you your finished record? I said, I, I am. He said, are you happy with it? I said, you know what, I am. And and <laughs> he just was like, okay, okay, that's it. Enough said. And I was like, oh, and I get the feeling that this isn't the way this conversation normally goes. And he says, oh yeah. He said, you know, you get a lot of people in who who are kind of, you know, quite upset by the way the recordings have gone or sort of feel that they didn't quite capture um the thing and, and songs are difficult to capture I, I i often think of there's um i think it's a tom waits quote and it's about um trying to record a song is like trying to ask a young boy to sit in a barber's chair so it's just it's not a natural fit to 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 record a song um and it is it yeah i would definitely stand over what i said it is it, it's it's harder harder to get right than people might imagine <laughs>
0: um let's kind of go back and kind of uh um kind of along the journey of ian Whitty, how we get to uh the release of the second album like where did you grow up in cork i grew up um i was born in chicago um, oh really yeah i, I never knew that there you go I never there's, knew that there's, there's, there wow. you have. um congrats
1: on the cubs winning the world series uh, thank you very much last night <laughs> um somebody knows a lot about that um and it's just not me but uh, I'll I'll take that <laughs> I'll take it uh, um so yeah I was born in Chicago and then uh, at the age of about 4 we moved to Dublin and I was there till I was about 10 and then we moved to Kerry and uh, so <coughs> Kerry is kind of sort of home home clerny um my parents are still down there um and then shortly after that then I I moved to um to Cork I guess uh, no sorry there was a stint in Galway as well I went to college oh, in Galway all over yeah and then, then mostly Cork though I think I've been in Cork longer than I've been anywhere else um, yeah so
0: so yeah. when people say like Cork artist Ian Whitty are you kind of like oh actually it's Kerry oh
1: I, I don't know I don't know I'm sure I, cause I yeah I, I think <laughs> that's a that's a controversial one now that you've uh, you've, you've walked us into uh, I'm 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 going for a uh, a dual citizenship on this one <laughs> for cultural, cultural reasons, <laughs> reasons of cultural significance. Um, but, uh, I think to be fair, I think it's because I'm more closely associated with, with the Cork scene probably than, than anywhere else. And, and I think that that is a fair comment. And, uh, again, as, as we all get, get along, um, it, uh, it, it is a place that I don't know. I kind of feel like we're sort of uh, we're not old men, just to uh, put your listeners <laughs> at ease, but um we do feel like we're kind of drifting into that kind of more. I don't know the elders of of a certain Cork scene because a yeah. lot of the bands we um grew up with or started up with or, or, or songwriters, even from the area that, that 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 I would be very friendly with, like that you know, some have have moved away or some have split up or some are in different bands now. Or it's it it it's changed a lot, you know, and it feels like. Uh, we're sort of still standing, which is brilliant and I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do very much feel part of the Cork scene. Um, not that there isn't a, a sort of a, a parallel history in in Killarney, which th- there is because um, my formative sort of years playing music would have been down there and there would have been kind of you know um, a folk club down there, not dissimilar to sort of the Barras folk club. So we would have had a lot of really brilliant musicians kind of rolling through in my late teens and early twenties. And, uh, and I kind of learned a lot and made a lot of good friends through that as well. And that was certainly something that would have pushed me along in music too, you know?
0: And was guitar your
1: first instrument? It was and uh, first and, and, and only, and and that remains the the case. Um, my brother Shamo got a guitar and he just didn't really play it. So I used to just, I used to just uh, sneak in and, 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 and take it and, uh, and I never seemed that interested in covers. I always seemed more interested in just kind of um, seeing what would happen is if, if I did something other than covers. So that, that kind of so from very early on, actually, it was there was a, a creative intent about even noodling.
0: And like you going, you're going around to all these different places in Ireland. Is like the guitar the first thing that you're picking up and and bringing with you up to college in Galway. Oh yeah, 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 for sure,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, and from I, I guess I was probably um, fifteen when I when I started stealing Shameless guitar, and <laughs> then uh, I didn't really let it down. Yeah, no, I I didn't. Um, and uh, but that's a great thing because anybody who plays guitar will kind of let you know like you're never bored. You know, I, I don't think I know what boredom is. I don't think I've ever been bored um, because there's always
0: something to be doing. <laughs> just strumming along the guitar? Just, yeah,
1: messing around or, yeah, and even, you know, singing a song and, and uh, writing a song or, or as time went on, I did learn a few songs over the years, <laughs> learning a song. Or, you know, it, it's a great just endeavor. It's, it's, I would recommend it to anybody because, like I say, you're, you're just, um, you're always engaged.
0: And so what, what did you do in college in Galway?
1: I did um English and Irish, and there was history and psychology in the first year of that, but I did yeah a degree in um English and Gaelic, yeah
0: so and and why come to cork then
1: I came to cork for music I came to cork um to because i i I knew there was a a healthy kind of a, a scene down here and, and when that was it that you,
0: that you that you came? Jeez, the
1: hard questions now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can remember
0: everything that you, yeah, it's just, it's just years that are, I think, are difficult. I
1: think, 2000, 2000, I think 2000 and I, I for a couple of years, because I did the course in CSN up in Tremor Road, um, the, the music management sound course. And then I would have moved back to Killarney yeah. for a couple of years after that. And then, then back up to the city in 2004 or 2003, sorry, 2003.
0: So yeah, so that really was when kind of the the folk side of things was kind of kicking off in Cork, or kind of getting a little bit bigger with the lobby bar and things like that. And Fred were kind of really getting going back then. Did it feel like an exciting time back then in two thousand in Cork?
1: It, it did, but not just in Cork. Actually, it felt like an exciting time everywhere because there was a sort of. Um that there was the beginnings of the DIY scene, actually. it was the first the first bands were starting to release their own now I'm sure it's something that happened up along, but but in a kind of a, a bigger, more visible way, the first of the bands who maybe had been dropped by labels were start, sort of starting to take responsibility for their own thing, and there was a great sense of people just start starting to to put on their own shows um, and uh, a sense that people just wanted the stuff to be uh, interesting. You know, the, for the gigs to be interesting and for the for the presentation of the music to be interesting, and, and 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 Cork was no different to that. And I guess that was the start of I guess that kind of first. Well, not first because obviously Cork has always had a fairly good music scene, but of my my bunch of friends, that was probably the first few times that they were kind of uh, making records and 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 uh, touring outside of Cork and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And do you think like just being a musician, being a guitarist in Cork, like you're just going to make friends with the other people in bands and everything, did it come easily enough that, you know, you uh quickly found Joe O'Leary from Fred and the and the Stanley C. Braight guys?
1: Um, it it did. It did actually. Um and I think um Yeah, I think what well, I think that's part of the scene here anyway. I think it's just quite um I think everybody kind of knows what's going on, and uh, everybody is sort of familiar with everybody else's music. And I, I think that that was natural. But I was—I've always been kind of thankful that I, I've been sort of as readily accepted by the kind of you know the, the the songwriter set as I have by the band set. And I think it's probably just reflected in the music that we make, and that it's it's kind of both of those things at any one time as well. So, um, so I tended to do a good bit of touring around Ireland with sort of more. Uh, you know th- that that songwriter scene in ireland exploded at that time as well um so kind of was touring around with some of those th- that bunch around the country and then obviously w- with all the cork bands as well at the same time so i, I kind of i don't know i've been always very thankful for that because i felt like i've I've had two two different kind of musical worlds that i can i can very comfortably live in and uh and that's kind of led to a lot of friendships as well and sort of
0: yeah um, w- w- was it that you were playing in other bands? What other bands w- was it that you were oh, playing? Oh no, I
1: wasn't playing with bands, but but just that was say that bands seemed to be as comfortable to have me along and be on the bill with them as as other songwriters did, if you know what I mean. So it meant that I was sort of naturally kind of in the company when you were asking just about musical friendships Sorry, yeah. you know yeah, yeah I was kind of naturally in the, comf- in the in the in the company of of a lot of the cork bands at that stage and uh but at, at in the same uh, breath also in the company of a lot of the songwriters you know both cork and and Thornton national at that time as well
0: so was it that you were always just kind of playing your own music just kind of finding your feet and everything as a songwriter back then
1: yeah 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 I was always yeah Always do my own thing really, I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it fitted in with kind of all, all of the other acts that we're playing. It, it
1: seemed to yeah. And uh yeah. And and we, we all seemed to end up on, on the bills together all the time and you know, uh and you'd be you'd be dragged off to, to other parts of the country to do gigs with them and uh then you you know, we we ran a bunch of shows at that time as well. Um around kind of either in the city. We'd, I remember we used to do these mystery tours. Myself and Niall Connolly used to organise these mystery tours and we'd kind of put everybody on a bill and we wouldn't tell anybody who was playing or where they were playing and people would get on a bus and <laughs> would end up in the middle of nowhere for some gig. And we, we did a few of those at that time. Jeez, you're, you're really... I'm, I'm getting quite nostalgic
0: now. <laughs> wow, where did you yeah. end up going? We, didn't, we did
1: one. No, we didn't do any in the actually, which is, uh, we've done other things like, like, like that in the since. We did one in the Pine Lodge and we did one in Ringabella, you know, Shauna Maud's down there in Ringabella, near Cargilline, beyond Cargilline. Okay. And then we did one in, um, at the back of the lodge in Mallow. Um, and they were they were great because it would be, you know, it would be whatever bands were just playing in cork you you'd just put a bill together of 10 or 15 bands and you'd just
0: say look oh, what really t- 10 or 15 oh, yeah yeah, oh wow. yeah 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 and you'd value have, for money
1: oh yeah <laughs> i don't think yeah that's what i was saying is i think it was more important to us that it would be interesting yeah. than there would be sort of any financial game i remember we bought um the lads in plug they sold tickets and uh <coughs> we bought them uh, like a a couple of bags full of craft beers this is uh, when craft beers were not, <laughs> were not were not were not uh, that you know as popular as they are now and and uh, that was the only payment i think <laughs> happened for all of those gigs was uh, remember giving jimmy a bag of beer right? <laughs> that was it <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it's like I, start, I started in UCC in 2006 and then it did seem in the next two years that there was you know, I always associate you with Fred and Stanley Super Eight Hundred, and there's probably another couple of bands that I'm not thinking of. Like, d- did it feel like, or when did you decide it'll be Ian Whitty and the Exchange? And did you feel like, oh, this is a good, like, scene that we have at the moment that we're that we're in?
1: Um. I think I think it was just I think it was very apparent that it, that the scene was good because just audiences were responding to the stuff. And I think I think that's when you know kind of more than anything else. And I think I think the bands themselves had just a good sense of, I don't know, camaraderie and all that good the, the good stuff that comes with being in a in a community of like minded people. Even though kind of musically what we were at was sometimes quite different. Um so um that, no, that that all just felt like a, a natural evolution, and then the exchange would have just occurred because of. I think that's got more to do with just sort of me and how I wanted music to evolve. Um, in that it started as being quite a singular thing, um, and then then obviously I, I wanted it to. I wanted it just to be a bit noisier or a bit. I don't know. Um, a bit a bit fuller. Um, and so, before the first, like the lucky caller number nine, uh, we had kind of put together a band, you know, to to really flesh out those songs, and um, and from then on, it just it just felt that that was sort of the the place where I wanted to be. Not that we don't still sometimes do things in a more singular way, or you know, uh, or it, myself and Flora sometimes do duo shows, but mostly it's it's the band thing, and that that's this is this current album is 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 is. Definitely as much a band thing as is anything
0: else. Mm. And so Lucky Caller number nine came out in, um, was it 2008? It was. Yeah, and it did seem like uh, you got quite a bit of um, juice out of it, I suppose. You know, you did get to kind of tour the country with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was was great. We just certainly got a couple of years where we were kind of quite busy and we were taking singles off the album um And then, it's funny, you know, kind of, there was, a, I, I think, I was quite busy with it for two or three years, and there was a, a couple of stints to the States as well. And then I kind of took my foot off the gas with it, just because I felt it had run its course. Um,
0: Like you were kind of getting tired of performing the same songs
1: not so much tired of performing but just there had been a lot of energy had it been expended around that that project and i just felt it was time you know to kind of move on to the next thing which obviously i didn't move on to quickly enough at all <laughs> which and would have been this next record you know
0: and does that just mean saying no to opportunities like are the opportunity with opportunities still coming
1: uh they, they they would but i mean obviously with <laughs> with the way things are you know there people respond to releases. So if there isn't a release, but you know, that natural response kind of dwindles away anyway, you know? Um so which is probably a healthy thing. And and it's good. I think it's I think it's really healthy to, to to be busy and then to be maybe, you know, not so busy for a year or two. Anyway, I think I think that's a good thing. Um but what I was gonna say was when I did kind of really I had completely stopped promoting the thing in, in any sort of a tangible way. And then um we got a call to have one of the songs used in Lenny Abrahamson's film "What Richard Did," and another couple of TV shows um, at that time called, and it was bizarre because I'd I'd never done less, you're, you know, <laughs> and and still, so I, I guess that's the nature of 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 of. of of music, and I guess you know when you record it, you don't know what it's going to do. But to answer your question, it did like that. That you know, the songs off that record and that record itself did sort of um make its way into the world and and, and surprise me from time to time because it was, you know, a DIY release and it was you know, uh, put out in a shoestring and all of that other stuff. But still, it 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 did. I I felt I felt it punched well above its weight. Actually, I have to say.
0: It's the same story with um, the new album, isn't it? It's a, it's a self-released, yeah, it's, DIY it's, album. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Whimsical River Records, which is sort of my own label for for putting out the stuff. Um,
0: yep. Yeah. How do you th- did did you find out how the um, music people on what Richard did came across the the song?
1: I did. I did. Subsequently, um, Steve, who's mix, mixes this, Steve Fannigan, had been asked at some stage. He he mixes a lot of film, and somebody had sent him an email saying, "Look, we're looking for some some Irish music. Um, will you put a bunch of suggestions in an email?" And he did. He said he filled an email of suggestions, and that this was the one that they came back and said, "Look, do you have a contact for for those guys? Because because that's the one that's going to fit." Um, but I guess when it, when you, when you get into film, you don't know. I mean it just all depends on the scene, you know, because, uh, often, I don't know, uh, with a lyric, a lyric is putting a picture on a picture. So, y- you know, it all, it all just depends what, what, what a filmmaker is looking for, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, just kind of talking about the, uh, the kind of the magical mystery tours that, uh, you did back in the day, like you played, uh, Leavis's, the kind of the secret song down in Leavis's, which Joe O'Leary runs, uh, earlier in October, you did, or well, it's November now, but uh, at the start of October, you you went down and played that, did you? We did, we did. Um, That's like thir- like tons and tons of bands just on a on a across the Sunday, is it? That actually had a, a similar feel to actually um,
1: t- to some of that stuff that I remember <laughs> from, from from back back a while. Um, it is, yeah. So it's similar, very similar thing actually. Um, Joe sells a blind ticket in that you, you buy a ticket and you don't know who's going to be there, and then he fills um there's a sort of a a few different spaces there's like a little living room space which is about the same size as the living room room we're in at the moment, which is i guess uh for the listeners is maybe four meters by four meters um so uh not 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 a huge um uh space as such so we did one gig up there up in the living room and then we did another gig in the in the, in the main bar, which is uh, another tiny bar um but it was a great a great um uh, atmosphere down there, because again, people don't know who's going to show up um, and he kind of uh himself and Caroline, plan it out in a way that they make sure there are videos a couple of sets so that you don't really have to miss anybody um at any point, and they kind of stagger them, and it's it's just it's just a cleverly wrong thing, and then they they just um stuff the place full of of of, of people who who seem to really want to see music, which is a pleasant uh sort of an outcome to have um. But yeah, no, it, it 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 was great, and I think uh, it was funny. We're going down to it because we we didn't know a lot a lot before we we landed down, and uh, I remember saying to Flores, "It's gonna be all right. It's Joe. Everything's gonna be okay because Joe has this way of making everything okay, you know." <laughs> so uh, yeah,
0: he just kind of puts everybody at ease.
1: He does. It's just he's a big character, and he's a, he's just a very lovable kind of a, a of a character and uh, a big personality and. Uh, and you just know that everything is going to be fine. You know, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have people
0: uh, around you that you, where you, where you know everything is going to be fine. Were you at uh, Fred's final shows in the Pavilion? I was.
1: We ago? we played we played at both of those. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. We we I was we, there. we we popped um, along at for for the uh, for yeah. We 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 played a song with them, and then they played a song with us, or whatever, whatever, however that works. Um. So they were magic shows that, and that was great. And there was a real sense of kind of, I don't know, uh, of a, of a kind of a chapter, a certain chapter kind of closing at those gigs. They were very. Um, I guess for, not not just for us as musicians in the scene, but, you know, a load of people, and you, you kind of forget about that, is a load of people grew up around bands as well, you know, and, and sort of particularly Fred, because they were a college band, so people had kind of come through college and then beyond with them, and, and 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 when they were calling it a day, it just it, it felt like a particular sort of an end to a time. Um, And I don't mean that in a, in a very heavy kind of way, because it was the right thing for those guys to do for themselves, but... Uh, yeah, it did. It it did. That felt like a sort a a definite, definite moment in 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 our musical life in the city. If that makes sense. So, uh, so we were we were delighted to actually just uh, stand on stage with them those two nights, and I don't know, help them help them put it to bed.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you're not too um like, you know, you're saying that it was the right thing for them to do and everything. Mm. Like you're not saying like. Oh, we lost a fantastic band sort of thing. Like we did lose a, a great band and everything, but you seem quite still, like relatively optimistic. Like this is just the way it goes. Everything goes in cycles in a city like Cork
1: or in any city or any any music scene, and it's it's um it's just a bit of change and and like look as life goes on. Um, I mean, I think I touched on that earlier. Like you know. Uh, it gets harder to play music the older you get and it just does. And, and it's something that you have to, um, you have to fight for and you have to um, sometimes have a fight <laughs> to be able to do it. Um, so it's just not something that you could take for granted. And it's not something that, you know, particularly with bands, um, it's not something that that can be taken for granted because, you know, that there is sort of, Time limits on, on on some of this stuff, and I think we've seen that there's a some Irish bands have, have called it a day. This week again, I think Fight Like Apes have just called it a day, and 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 have been quite pointed in in pointing out, you know, in, in some
0: of those reasons, you know. Yeah, you read their their Facebook post about it. I did,
1: and I thought it was interesting that they kind of took the gloves off and were like, yeah, this is you know due to a lack of sort of. Uh, or sort of a, an increase in external pressure or lack of sort of support. F- yeah, well, financial realities, I think, is is what they pointed to, and, and you, I think that's just just the way it is, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I find very little that I could disagree with in in that post, and I think that it, what I would worry about is that I don't see it changing at all. Like you know, they're saying people, you need to buy music, you need to go to gigs, and you know, give. Kind of give your money so that people can continue to create, but I just don't see that happening. Really, you know, people aren't going to end their Spotify account. You know, if an album isn't on Spotify, okay, it's not on Spotify. I'll wait until it comes on and then I'll listen to it, sort of thing. And it it is. I would be kind of worried in like even five years. What like we mu- will have the enthusiastic young bands releasing debut albums, but I would worry about people um releasing. Third, fourth, fifth albums. I think that that's almost th- going to be um, the um, not the reality anymore.
1: That 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 would be the um, that would be the worry. Like you say, um, is just uh, how do bands progress beyond that kind of first, second, even third album stage? To you know, to, like the notion of a heritage act kind of seems almost foreign, doesn't it? At the moment, because it it seems to be more kind of um, there's a lot of buzz bands or there's a lot of stuff that you know people take attention of for a shorter period of time and um that would be worrying just and again not 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 for any other reason other than for the people at the center of that in that like if if you're if you have this intent to be creative and to create it's fantastic to feel that there's an outlet for what you do and the opposite feeling is is not so great you know uh and you can see that that you can see that's why people get very frustrated. Um, and I don't know, speaking of, just for myself. And it, I think that's the important. But I think I think you just do what you do because you feel the need to do it, and that's mm. kind of the main reason for doing it. Because if 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 what you're doing is outcome based, or you feel that you're sort of entitled to a certain response because you've put in a whole lot of effort. It's just, you're. I, I, I fear for that kind of thinking. Um, now that's not to say that, you know, look, everybody likes the stuff to be well received and everybody would like to have an audience for what they do. But I think the intent more and more just, it just, it has to come from a very sort of a, uh, an internal kind of a place. And I think that was sort of, uh, to bring it back to, to this particular record is is what I said to the, the lads before we went in. It's just like, look, let's get to the stage where we can walk away from it. And, and it. If we get it to that stage then then that is the objective is achieved you know and and that has to be the way we're thinking about it and let's not to say we're not going to roll up our sleeves and do our best to to promote it um because we will um but it's uh it's a strange kind of a landscape you know and and even in our own time because I, I guess we're kind of going down memory lane on this one a bit like but when you do mention those bands like there, there was some fixed properties in that you could go okay you know, we're going to make an album and we're going to sell X amount of them and then we can make, you know, the next little EP or the next little single or whatever it is. And then there came a point, I think it was just after 2008, just just probably the day after <laughs> Lucky God was yeah. released, that um, all of that just changed. Like, not not quite overnight because it had been evolving, but uh, it, it just there was the the set outcomes thing was gone, you know, and there just aren't any set outcomes anymore. I don't think for for, probably for anyone.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll try and edit it on a positive note. Will it be, um, another eight years before, before we do get the 30 in with (laughs) the album?
1: I don't know. I I hope not. I hope not. But you know what? There's no, there's no telling. Uh, um, no I mean there there's there's always songs and I, you know that that process is something I am quite committed to and I do do try and make space for that uh, you know um all the time so uh I'll, I'll be right in a way it's 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 uh, it's like I say it's 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 you can't put your finger on it there's a certain rhythm to these things and and you do them when you can um so hopefully
0: it won't be another eight years <laughs> and when people are listening to uh this podcast you will have played the and you've already played um uh collins as well in cork how has the reception been to the the new songs and the it,
1: it's 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 you know it's been great and i'm I'm aware that you know i'm expected to say it's been great but it genuinely has it it's, it's it's been lovely we've had two shows and they're both pretty much full houses and there was a great um just a great energy to it and and uh and i've been a bit more nostalgic this time around um and I don't know why I've been disarmed by the fact that I am, I guess maybe I have been just, I think I've been doing gigs for 19 years now, which <laughs> feels just like an age. And so I have been just kind of looking back over it. Um, but it is, it is, it it, it has been lovely. And uh, and I think, like I say, we don't take it for granted. We, we don't take a full room anywhere for granted. Um, so no, we've, 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 we've been enjoying it. And I think that's our decision in this is just to, to enjoy it and to, do it because we want to do it, you know, and then, and then we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but no, they, they've, they've, they've been great. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully the bars this, this weekend will be the same.
0: And <laughs> so do you have any other plans now for the rest of the, of the year?
1: Um we're going to, so, so just hopefully the, the record now will sort of just, make its way out into the world and then uh, we'll see what happens over christmas i wouldn't be surprised if a few things kind of didn't happen over christmas but it for us in terms of um our touring it'll it'll be the new year again i think it'll be february march we'll 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 follow the record out then and, and do kind of a national tour proper with that
0: Great. Well, uh, best of luck with that. Um, Thank you
1: very much, and it's 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 been uh, it's it's been lovely talking about uh, some of these things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's good to hear. Uh, so, Inwoody and the Exchange Cash Crop. It's out on Friday. It's out on Bandcamp and uh, all of those digital places, I presume.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's um, the. Digital from Bandcamp and iTunes, and then the physical from Bandcamp as well. So if, if people want a physical copy, and then it'll be uh, obviously all the indies and uh, and a few more record stores as well. So yeah,
0: plugged and uh, Music Zone and Douglas. Yeah, the, and a few. I
1: think one of the chains is going to take it on as well. So, uh, but I don't, I'm not too sure uh, cool. yet.
0: Yeah. Well, best of luck, Julian, and it's been great to chat to you again. Okay, thank you very much.